Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you all. Is everyone enjoying the cold? Any, anybody enjoying the cold? Yeah, just Douglas. The Scotsman in the room is enjoying the cold. It's like a good summer's day out there, isn't it, for you? <laughs> um, wonderful. So I'm just, uh, I'm, so some of you will know that I'm sort of in, in recovery from a long-term pain condition, so I'm going to do a little bit of standing, a little bit of sitting. I just find that helps me a lot more, so don't get too distracted by that, but got a little stool here, might sit down, might stand up. It's like a bit of freedom. So anyway, this morning I just want to start by sharing something that I think is really exciting and I'm hoping that you will also think is really exciting. So um, very soon our new series, How to Hear God, is going to be kicking off. It's going to be running through Lent. So that means for five weeks from mid-February, which is really quite close now, um, through to Easter, um, and it's going to be across the whole church. Um, It's going to be in Feltham, in Staines, in Kids, and in Youth too. So half of the content is going to be on Sundays. So on Sunday mornings, if you're here, you'll get half the content, and the other half is going to be in small groups. So if you only attend on Sunday, guess what that means? You're going to miss out on half of the content. So we would love everyone to be part of a small group for this, these five weeks. And so we're going to be launching new groups to make room for everyone. I know of at least two new groups already, and hopefully, and, and I think there's a few more conversations going on as well. But we want to create space for everybody. Um, so, that, um, so it could be in all sorts of different places. It could be somewhere that works for you. But we will provide everything that you need. Now, This time last year, Alex and Samina, so I can see Alex in the room here. Alex doesn't want attention drawn to him. Sorry, Alex. Um, But they were part of a small group that was really growing. But what that meant was that it was really hard for other people to join and to be a part of. Now, I had a little chat with Samina a couple of weeks ago. I'm just, and we're going to show that video in just a moment, but can I just say that the rest of us from our heads down were actually also in the room. You'll know what I mean when I show the video. So, Maria, we've got a video lined up. I'm here with Samina. Samina is married to Alex. Now, Samina, a year ago, you were probably sat in church somewhere and you heard us talking about hosting a group. Now, what did you do next? So Alex and I talked and decided that we could host a new group in our home. Fantastic. So you you hosted a new group in your home. How how did that go? Great. We had all the videos and all the notes from you guys. All we needed to do was invite a few people, turn on the TV and get talking to each other. Amazing. So so a year on now, um, firstly, are you still talking to those people? Yes, of course. Okay, that's that's really good to hear. Um, and, And what are you doing? Are you still meeting together? Yes, we made lots of friends, new people came and joined our group and uh, we had lots of fun and we're still doing it. Yeah, that's great. So if you were, if so perhaps someone's listening to us now um, and they were thinking about whether they could do it, what, what would you say to them? Just go for it. Yeah, fantastic. So, so really what we're asking is like, you know, for five, um, for five weeks, could you host a new group? So um, do you have a heart for people? Do you like people? Samina does. She gets on well with people. She even likes them a year later. So that's good to hear. <laughs> so you can, you can have a heart for people. Could you open up your home or another space? You could re- use a room at the church centre or maybe a cafe or somewhere like that. Could you serve a snack? 
and could you turn on the TV? If you can do those four things and you're up for doing that for five weeks, you could host a new group for this series. There we go. I told you, the floating heads in the room. Um, we were all there as well, but yeah, it's great. So, so we would just love to kind of throw that out to all of us. So, um, and, and I just really want to talk a little bit about, um, but just what kind of space you could open up. You can think, I, I couldn't do that in my own home. I don't have the space to do that. But you can be, just be really creative in the space that you might be able to do. There are rooms here available at the church centre. You might think there's a, there's a coffee shop or somewhere nearby you. It'd be great to kind of do that. But the thing is, you don't even need to turn on the TV. You can just do it on your phone. You know, there's, you know, if you're just with one or two other people. So there's, there's a variety of ways that you could get involved in that. Now, if that stirs something in you, maybe you think, yeah, I could, I could do that, or I've done that before. Maybe you, maybe you've led a group or something in a previous church. Maybe you just think, hey, I just want to give that a go. Then you can do that. There are these little cards on the seats beside you. If you want to grab one of these, can you just wave them just so I can check that you've got them? All you need to do is grab one of these, grab a pen, which should also be near you, and then you can put your details on there, and then at the end of the service, you can pop those in the back there, or you can go straight to the webpage, which is um, riversidevineyard.com slash howtoheargod, and you can find all, sorry, hear God, and, and you will find all the details there as well. Um, if you want to find out more about it, chat to myself or anyone else you've seen up at the front this morning. But we would love to create space for everybody to be a part of a group, and you can be a part of making that happen. Okay? So this is what I really want to talk about today. So um, I don't know if anyone's been paying much attention to the news over the last few weeks, or is it just all a bit too depressing? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the brief summary, okay? So... We've got book leaks and squabbling brothers. Yeah, you've heard those. We've had the cold snap. It's been a little bit chilly, hasn't it, as I said. We've had striking workers, the energy crisis, financial woes, all sorts of things going on. Now, they're, they're, I think things are in a difficult place right now, aren't they? And I was in Storehouse on Thursday. Um, Storehouse is our compassion ministry where we serve food and provide clothing for kids as well. But they've gone from serving 25 families a week at the end of the summer to over 70 now. It's, it's just, we've never seen like just such an increase. Um, so many people are in really desperate need, you know, thinking, you know, will I have enough food to feed my kids? Um, can I afford to put the heating on or do I need to just get a few more blankets or something. You know, maybe you're not in that place today, but there are people around us that are experiencing that firsthand. But most of us, I think, are feeling the pinch somewhere. And I think it has an effect on every area of our lives. So even ignoring those challenges that we've been experiencing over the last few months, this year at least one in four people in the UK will experience mental health difficulties. And nearly two-thirds of those feel anxious when thinking about their money and their finances. And even discarding any mental health challenges, you know, over a quarter of people will feel anxious when thinking about money. We all feel, we all feel it sometimes, don't we? It's like it's not the conversation we want to have. We don't want to talk about it. Now, if you look online, there are all sorts of practical and helpful ways to, to manage our finances better in this season, how to deal with the energy crisis, 
how to keep the heating off, you know, heat the person, not the space, and to keep costs down. And this morning, I'm going to share some things that I hope you'll find really helpful, Um, a few practical ideas to help us. But, you know, more than that, as followers of Jesus, I believe there is a better story that we can both tell and be part of in this season and to share with those around us in the world. Now, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, firstly, you are so very welcome And I believe there's some really great stuff for you to to help and encourage you this morning as well. Now, at the start of this new year, we're exploring exploring this idea of flourishing in life. And it it all comes um, from these these words that Jesus shares. um, And it's recorded in John 10, verse 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full a life of abundance, a life of flourishing. And I'll be honest, these are, the, these are the words of Jesus. These words are what get me out of bed in the morning. This, these are why I love doing what I'm doing, because I passionately believe that each one of us can receive that life of abundance. We can tell a different story. It's available to each one and every one of us. However low you're feeling, however high you're feeling, we have the opportunity to flourish in life with our friendships, our family, our faith, and even, even in our finances. Now, the passage we're going to read together this morning is from Matthew chapter 6. Now, you might be familiar with these words, Um, But I just want to encourage us all just to let these words sink in. So if you have a Bible with you, why don't you grab that? Um, The words are going to come up behind me. I'm going to read from verse 25. Um, Let me pray first. Lord, Lord, I thank you so much that you are here with us. Whatever we're facing in life, whether today is a good day or whether today is a hard day, I thank you that you are here. And Lord, right now, I ask that you would speak through these words that that you spoke all those years ago, but that speak so much to us today as well. So Lord, would you come and meet with us? Would you transform us and change us ever more into your likeness? Amen. So this is Matthew 6, starting from verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amazing, wise words from Jesus, as ever. Uh, This morning, I just want to share three thoughts from this passage on how each of us can flourish in our finances. Now, John 10, the verse that I mentioned earlier, in verse 11, Jesus goes on to say that he laid down his life so that we can have life. In other words, Jesus laid down his life in order that we can have the best life possible which means the best financial life is only possible in Jesus. So I want to throw out a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer back if anyone does well. In your finances, are you full of fear and worry, or are you full of Jesus? See, in the midst of everything that's going on in our life right now, in the world around us, Jesus says, do not worry. He says, do not worry. Now, we know we shouldn't worry, right? When we see those words like, oh, yeah, probably shouldn't worry. But we all do it, okay? We all do it, don't we? I mean, if anyone can put their hand up and say they don't worry, then come and chat to me afterwards because I'd like to know your trick. But, so I looked up worry in the dictionary, not because I'm, I do know what the word worry means, but I just thought it would be interesting just to see how it kind of phrases it. And so it says this. It says, to think about problems or unpleasant things that might happen in a way that makes you feel unhappy and frightened. Now, I think the key word here is might. Worry, as we've just read from Jesus, is not going to add an hour to our life. And yet, we spend far too long doing just that. So whether it be worries about our relationships, worries about how our kids are doing, how our parents are coping as they get older, our own health, and of course, our money, We all have worries about different things. If we compare, though, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, do not worry. So there's some kind of disconnect here, isn't there? So so what's going on? And maybe just a few thoughts on this. I think the reality is, I'm really sorry, guys, but we are human. And that means sometimes we don't manage things as well as we could. And we live in a world that is broken. And so worry has become a a reality of life. But you know, it doesn't have to hold us. Corrie ten Boom, um, she once said, any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. So let's keep bringing our things in prayer. I've been reading a bit about worry over these last couple of weeks, and I, I came across this really helpful advice from the author and pastor Steve Cuss, He's got a brilliant name about how we can cope better with worry in our lives. And he offers three steps. The first of these steps is notice when we are anxious and get off the anxiety treadmill. I don't know if you you can imagine you're on a treadmill and you can't turn it down. Actually, we need to notice when we're really struggling and help and get ourselves off that. So we become aware when we feel anxious. It's really hard to stop. But actually, we need to notice it and stop it. The second thing is to pause and name what is causing that anxiety. So we may be really aware of what that thing might be. But it's really helpful for us to identify what it is. It could be one of those things I mentioned, relationships, money, kids, all of those different things. And it's really helpful for us to recognize what that thing is. 
And the third thing is to diffuse anxiety with a life-giving habit. And I think that's, this is really important. You know, do something that instead of that worry brings us life. Go for a walk, have a good coffee and watch some football, or read the Bible, listen to some worship music, meet up with a friend, talk about how you're doing. Do something that brings you life in the midst of that. Now, in my own life, and in my marriage especially, and I have got permission to share this before you ask with Kathy, she said it's okay, the biggest cause of worry and tension has been around money. So when our eldest son, you know, Josh, he's like, he's actually taller than me now, um, but when he was very young and I could actually hold him in my arms, we had so little to live on. We were really struggling. If I, if I went to a pub, it would be, I'd, or, I'd order tap water. If I went to a coffee shop, I would order hot water and smuggle in a tea bag, but don't tell them I did that. But that's what I used to do because I just couldn't afford to do anything else. But, and, and we struggled to make sure that there was enough food on the table for us, and Storehouse was so incredibly helpful for us in that season. Now, one of the biggest challenges was that we didn't always know exactly what was coming in and going out. And because we had so little, we were worried, and we would often ignore our bank statements. I don't know if anyone else has come across that kind of scenario. We, we just completely froze. We were just like, hey. But it, we did get out of that place. It took prayer, courage, and my wife loves an Excel spreadsheet, and that really helped us as well. But mostly prayer to help us to get out of that place. We would write down every single last penny that went in, and we would ask one another permission to be able to spend any money at all. It was really hard because I found that really, I did, I'm not good with numbers. I really don't like numbers. So it used to drain the life out of me for a bit. But you know, it worked and it got us into a better place. And so I just want to spend a little while just getting really practical for us. Now, to help us to be thinking about being really intentional in this area, I've asked Alison just to record a few thoughts around, around budgeting. Okay? Budgeting is a scary word, and she's going to unpack that in a moment. But um, for some of us, I might be teaching you to suck eggs. Please just humor us for three minutes or so. But for others of us, I think there's, really, there's, there's, really, really, there's power in these words, I think, in enabling us to get unstuck in some of the tricky things in life. And I believe it can help begin to lift some of the worry from us. So we've got a little video from Alison, which is all good to go, I believe. So I really do hope to take away some of the fear and mystery to do with budgeting. A definition I love from John Maxwell is a budget is telling your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. It's about changing from looking back to the past to looking forward. And in its simplest form, it's looking at what's in our hands right now, our income, and what we're gonna do with it, our expenditure. Picture yourself with a one pound coin. You've been sent to choose a chocolate bar from a shop. Budgeting is about making these choices with your one pound. Do you spend the full amount making sure you get your favourite item? Do you shop around for the best deal? Or even forego the chocolate and save for something else you really need more? That's budgeting. 
There's lots of good reasons to make a budget. Here's three to start with. Number one, it puts you back in control. Making money a great servant rather than a very poor master. Without a budget, you'll be constantly wondering where your money went to. Number two, stewardship. Looking after what God has entrusted us with. We all have to work with and manage money in our lives, regardless of our situation. So putting some structures in place really does make sense. And number three, there's the added benefits on our well-being and relationships from having a clear budget and removing fear of the unknown. Making a budget can feel quite daunting, a bit like clearing out a cupboard that's not been sorted out for years. But you start by starting. To make a budget, all you're gonna do is make two lists. One list of money coming in and another list of money coming out. You could do it on paper, on a spreadsheet or on an app, but you have to write somewhere the detail of what you currently receive and what you currently spend and what you spend it on. The income part is pretty easy and quick to get to. Expenditure usually takes a few attempts and a little while. Then budgeting is all about choices to make those two lists balance or to reprioritise. Cap Money have a great online tool which does all the maths for you and is pre-populated with lots of different categories. Just send me an email, alison at riversidevineyard.com and I can get you set up on that. Give it a go. There's nothing like seeing your budget written down in black and white to start to see where things could improve or change or where maybe you might need some further help. Head to riversidevineyard.com forward slash money for a money savings top tip sheet, including how to look at increasing your income and saving money on food and energy bills. Give it a go. Fantastic. So that, that was Alison. I think that's incredibly helpful, some really helpful practical things. Um, if you're in a place right now where you need some help, you can just go to the money page on the website and there's a whole bunch of resources there. But if you're really struggling, you know, we can help you. So come and talk to us, chat, come and chat to myself or Bethan. Um, and we've got a money advice team who would love to help you get things right. So the reality is that Jesus doesn't always change every circumstance that we're in, but he does give us what we need to cope with the situation we find ourselves in. And sometimes that's really good practical advice like we've just heard. Sometimes it's the support of good people around us. But whatever our situation, we can bring our needs to him in prayer. And the reality is we can trust, and this is my second thought, is that we can trust in the God who knows exactly what we need. So verse 32 says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, knows that you need them. He knows exactly what we need, the food, the drink, the clothes that we wear. The world runs after all these things and more, yet Jesus tells us 
that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And so in the midst of all that's going on in the world right now, we, I believe, have a different story to tell. And that different story begins with acknowledging God as our provider. You see, everything we have comes from him. Everything is his in the first place, from the, from the breath in our lungs to the roof over our heads to the food on our plates. It all comes from him. And so with that idea of acknowledging that all we have is from him. I want to talk about a little bit about what we do with what we're given, particularly in the area of what we are able to give away. Now, there should be some little um, cards on your seats beside you that look a little bit like this. So if you um, look a little bit like that, so there should be some bits of paper. So if you've never seen one of those, feel free to grab one of those. Um, I just want to talk a little bit um, about giving. You can take that away with you. Um, if you're not yet a Christian or you're not part of our church, you can zone out for a bit here. Have a little moment. That, you know, I just want to you know, give you the opt-out here as well. But confession time, first of all. I have often found it difficult in the past when we've talked about money in church. Okay? just going to be really honest with you. I've even, if I've known that a talk on money is coming up, particularly when we're in those difficult places, I would find ways to try and avoid coming out. But... I believe this is such an important area of our own discipleship. It's about obedience and, and living as best, best as we can, flourishing in life with, it, with Jesus. And I believe that it has the capacity to, to help each one of us to grow in our faith with him. Now, John Wimber, who was the founding pastor of the Vineyard Family of Churches, he said that God taught him more through giving and money than in any other thing. I think that's really important. And when we think about what's important as a Christian, you know, we might think about things like prayer and faith. And so there are about 500 verses about prayer in the Bible, about 500 verses about faith. And there are over 2,000 about money. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus telling these stories, parables that help to explain some of the most important things that he wanted to get across to his followers. Now, of all the, the parables recorded, 16 were about money. That's nearly 50% of what Jesus shared in, in parables. I think there might be a message here for all of us. You know, if we are followers of Jesus, this is a really important area for us. And it matters that we try and get this right. But it also acknowledges that God is more important than money. And I believe he will bless us as we give back to him. So a couple of thoughts on, around this. So, so where should I start in my giving? In, in short, from wherever you find yourself today. You know, we demonstrate what's important to us by how we spend our time and our money. And we have the privilege of being able to give from what's first been given to us. How much, you might ask. You know, Jesus didn't talk about, much about amounts. But in the Old Testament, we, there's a lot about tithing. And I think that's a, a really helpful yardstick for us, even if it's not a particularly popular term. But, you know, the easiest way in life would be just to kind of give the minimum or the least we feel we can get away with. But when we do that, I believe giving becomes an obligation rather than a joy. So the challenge is to start somewhere and then to grow in generosity. So when and how should I give? Firstly, I would just encourage you to make it a priority. 
In other words, before we account for all the other things that we need. And that can be really scary, but it's one of the main areas that I believe we can grow in our obedience and in our boldness and courageousness as we step out from our own comfort to allow God to provide for us. And as we do that, I believe we grow in our relationship with him and he blesses us as we do that. Secondly, to do it regularly and systematically. So for Kathy and myself, that means it's the first thing that comes out of our bank account each month. We, we plan what goes out in each month in order to be able to do this bit well. As I said earlier, we've been in places in the past where we, are, quite frankly, our finances were a mess, not knowing what's coming in or out. But we managed to shift that around, and so we started giving as a main priority and as I said, my wife, is, she loves a spreadsheet. And she's also an awful lot more organized than I am. And so things have shifted massively. The reality is that when we also give, it, has, it is enables the church to plan and to be able to do so much more than what we did. We talked about youth this morning, about storehouse, about our compassion ministries, able to bless those around us because we can plan out what we have. But, you know, despite all that's going on, what I love about our church family is that we are so incredibly generous. And that is a remarkable thing with everything that's going on. So in summary, if you've not taken a step, I just want to encourage you to do that. You can find out more at the giving page on the website. So riversidevineyard.com slash giving. There's a great little booklet you can find online there. There's a few copies on the side about generous giving. That's incredibly helpful. And remember, if you're a UK taxpayer, um, you can claim back 25% extra at no cost to you. So, so very quickly in summary, if you've not taken a step towards giving, if you've never started giving, I'd urge you to begin to give. If you give sporadically, begin to give regularly. If you give regularly, begin to tithe. And if you tithe, begin to give extravagantly. Now finally... We can all flourish in our finances, I believe, when we put God first. Verse 33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. He will bless us. When we seek God's kingdom first, we are choosing to put him first above everything else. In life, you know, we can, we can try and rely upon ourselves, or we can rely upon someone who is infinitely more reliable than ourselves. When we choose to stop relying on me, I believe that's a huge weight off our shoulders. And so we can then prioritize what we do with what's been given to us. The world says, store up, treat yourself, don't give away. Jesus talked about a life of abundance and generosity. And so I believe that in this moment that we find ourselves in, we have an opportunity to write a different story. And part of that, I believe, is to begin to bless those in need around us, which we're already doing. As we receive, freely we receive, freely we get to give. And as the world struggles, we can seek God and demonstrate his love with outrageous generosity to those around us. So one of the most practical ways we get to do that is through our compassion ministry. We have job club, money advice, meeting place. We have free English language lessons. We've got drop-in cafe, warm space, harbor for those with mental health challenges. But I want to specifically talk about storehouse today. 
And I said earlier about the growing need and what we're experiencing right now is unprecedented. Yet we can all play a part in rewriting the story of our community. So a few different ways that I believe we can all be a part of. So firstly, could you help with your time? Maybe you can help during the weekday. But how about, you know, we're trying to think creatively about how we can do this, but maybe you could actually do something in an evening or a Saturday. We're actively looking at other times and spaces that we can do that, particularly on a Friday. So if you've got some time on a Friday, we would love you to be a part of that. The second thing is, is to bring in food each week, and there should be a list coming up in a, in a little moment as well. So we can bring in food and toiletries. I think there's a, a list on the next page there, Maria. So I know that's a little bit small, but there's a lot that is needed right now. So we urgently need particularly the items on the left-hand side. So when you're doing your shop, whether that be online or popping into the shop, could you grab a few extra bits and pieces to bring them in um, and to be able to bless so we can keep our shelves full at least until they go out again, because we want to just constantly be able to replenish that. Um, the third thing is, could you help others to give? So we have drop-off point, drop drop off points um, around our different communities where people can engage with their neighbours and invite them to be a part of that. So there's a bunch of places already, but could you put a box outside your house for your neighbours to come and bring items that you can then bring into the church centre? So you could do that in your house, in a workplace. You can invite your neighbours or your colleagues to drop off food and other items. Um, and perhaps you work in a, a workplace where it might be up for supporting us with this. Perhaps you work in the food industry. Could you tap into things like a surplus sock? If, if you can, please come and talk to myself, or um, you can talk to Tati down there. So Tati was leading worship this morning. Um, or you can just grab one of the Connect cards, write something on that, drop it in the box at the back. Or you can chat to, the, um, to Judy and Peter on the compassion table today as well. So you can go and chat to them as well. Okay. So for all of us, let's, I believe we have an opportunity to do something different, to tell a different story, a story of generosity and abundance. We have so much need in our communities but we have this unique opportunity because we have a God that loves them so much. And so I want to land with this, and then we're going to simply just wait for a little bit. So I'm going to land with this. Mother Teresa said, Do not worry about why problems exist in the world. Just respond to people's needs.